You're listening to the Teak Nation Podcast, where we strive to educate, inspire, and entertain you with tips and lessons from frauders and friends of TKE. And we're back here with another episode of the Teak Nation Podcast. It is... Monday, March 29th, had to check and make sure that I remember the date. Another fun week of basketball. We'll, we'll start there and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll bounce around a little bit. But uh, as our listening audience has become accustomed to, we're tracking the brackets carefully and uh, it's, not, it's not going real well. And I just, I don't see a scenario in which really anyone, unless you had Michigan, Baylor and Gonzaga in your final four, I don't see how anyone's real happy with with what's happened over the last few weeks. And most of the games have been boring, too. So overall, uh, impressions of March Madness. You can tell I'm not super pleased. I think that if you lived on the West Coast, you, there's a chance you might have a decent bracket because we have so many Pac-12 teams that have have done well. So if you are one of those folks, and I do think there are some some people who are not as tied in as we are to Big Ten basketball. And so we discounted Michigan, and of course, Michigan has looked phenomenal yep. in the tournament. Yep. And so there are people who possibly could have had Michigan, Gonzaga, Baylor, which is it, which is interesting. Of all the chaos that occurred to get us to the Sweet 16, what always happens, we get down to the Elite Eight here, we get right ahead to the Final Four, and you've got a lot of ones and twos and three seeds. Yeah, and uh, I know last week we, we revised our Final Fours, and I had Colorado and Loyola in there. It didn't go so well for me. Neither of those two seemed to, to put out an effort that was uh, really worth my time. So that was, that was a little upsetting. But, yeah, it's, I mean, the three ones are, are looking good, obviously, and more power to you if you, if you took the dive on Michigan headed, heading into this tournament and threw them in the Final Four. Should be, should be going pretty well. Yeah, there have been some, some good games, not enough to your point, but there have been some good games. That Oral Roberts-Arkansas game was a really entertaining game mm-hmm. down the stretch. And last night, uh, the UCLA game was extremely entertaining uh, against Alabama. When when he hit that three at the buzzer to send it into overtime, I thought Alabama was going to come out and take down UCLA, and the opposite occurred. So good for the yeah, Bruins. Amazing. You always give teams credit when they get punched in the face like that and and get sent to overtime or double overtime or whatever it is, and then bounce back and uh, are able to able to still win the game. That that was a, an impressive showing by UCLA, and they they blew Alabama out in overtime. It wasn't really even really even that close. So well, uh, that's I'm it's good coaching and and good mental toughness to overcome that. If we have any any Bama fans out there, Rural Tide, uh, I will tell you, you you cannot shoot 40-some percent from the free throw line in a close game like that. That was unbelievable to watch and painful to watch as the basketball purists that we are here in the state of Indiana. To watch, essentially, Alabama lost because they couldn't shoot free throws worth of you-know-what during the during most of the entire game. Yeah, it's one of my one of my uh, sticking points when picking brackets is free throw shooters on your team. And I didn't know Alabama's free throw percentage going into that game, so I couldn't tell you if they were an elite free throw shooting team that just choked or if they were uh, a poor shooting team all year. But you can't go into the tournament making 60, 65% of your free throws as a team and expect to win those close games because 
it just it doesn't doesn't work out for you unless you got one or two guys that can shoot reliably and then you know everyone else on the team shoots like 30 percent. so yeah that was a good game that was a uh, that was a fun watch I'll tell you uh something else that has frustrated me throughout the tournament uh to to put a little special gambling spin on this year's segment which why wouldn't we is uh went into did a little something different this year went into a pool uh a squares pool where you know there's 100 squares and then you pick what square you want i picked 11 and the numbers are randomly drawn across the top and down the side and your top number is your winning team final score and then your your left side is your losing team final score whatever digit the uh the score ends with those are your numbers and I had zero and five so winning team zero losing team five I thought that was pretty okay a five point game right you're not you're not hoping for like a blowout um I I guess it's it's got as good a shot to hit as any of the other 99 combinations hasn't hit once really it really hasn't even come close like Gonzaga yesterday I think was was two and five so so almost there but there's not even been a game where I've been like, hit this free throw and, and I'm going to win $50. It's just been an absolute bloodbath for me. So maybe maybe that title turn in the next six games. One can hope. Well, it's, it's, the, it's the perils of sports gambling. Just be careful out there, kids. Could be $25 flush down the drain. Hit a nice golf bet this weekend. Any other sports gambling uh, tips and tricks that, that you want to you go with? It's more of your universe. I, I just live in it. It is, uh, it is nice to live vicariously through your gambling exploits. Mine and, mine and Pat McAfee's. Pat McAfee is a little more successful than you from, from what I've seen. He, wow. I saw him placed a $1,500 bet, bet on the under for Oregon State, 26 yeah. and a half. It got a little close down the stretch, but he won that bet. So Yeah, they had like four points through 10 minutes and then – miraculously came up with 20 in the last 10 minutes but yeah you got to bet big to win big so that's uh that's the one area that i'm lacking is i i lack sufficient funds to bet big but right so you gotta gotta cut your teeth somewhere nuts on the parlays that's that's where the real money is every every smart gambler knows load up on eight to ten team parlays just be uh retiring and down in uh down in cabo and life will be good by the time you're you're 40 45 years old so we might as well go ahead and, and give a revised, revised Final Four as long as we're here. There are eight teams left, and then by the time we record this podcast next week, there will be four teams left. By the time this podcast releases next week, there will be one team left. So let's go ahead. Let's do it. How, how much more wrong can we possibly get? It's getting harder and harder to completely botch this, but I'm sure fate will step in and deal us a hand. All right, first, we want to make sure to get on the good graces of Cole Connor. So let's go ahead and pick Houston. Oh, yeah, Cole's been. First thing I'm doing, Houston tonight. Herpin, not Got to get the Cougs. The Cougs get into the Final Four. And since we're already going to have one Texas team, we might as well have two. So I'm going to go with Baylor to take down Arkansas. Noted basketball powerhouse. That's right. Tomorrow, I know folks think this could be a game. USC has played great. Gonzaga just seems to be a just yep. a month. So I'm going to still stick with Gonzaga. And and then I, I do think that Michigan is going to get it done and get to the final four. I would never have thought it when this tournament started, but they have played great basketball. I think UCLA has obviously played well to get to this point from the first four all the way down to, to playing to go to the final four. But even yesterday in that game, their offense is hard to watch. 
they have, I forgot the guy's name, but number four, who he hits a lot of shots in the lane, a lot of shots on the – that's great, but uh, they their offense was not exactly clicking yesterday. They still found a way to get it done. Great def- They're a great defensive team, which Mick Cronin, Cronin that's what you should yeah, I, I agree all the way around. I think it's Gonzaga, Baylor, Michigan, Houston. Uh, once all said and done, we'll be looking at three ones and a two in the final four for all the, the chaos, and that's just the way it works. Uh, yeah, Michigan, I think looking at their bracket when it re- was released, nobody really thought that that corner of the bracket was going to be the most difficult. There wasn't there wasn't really a stud two or three seed in there. A lot of people had Texas coming out um, who obviously lost in the first round. So their path has, has really materialized in a pretty easy manner. Uh, they got a good win yesterday. They looked really good against Florida state. I, I would have thought Florida state once Florida state beat Colorado, I thought that they had a really good shot to go and beat Michigan. So um, yeah. And then, and then I still think it's going to be Gonzaga taking down Baylor in the championship game. Um, and if I'm wrong about that, then I'm sure Cole will text me at, you know, 1230 AM just to remind me that I don't know what I'm talking about. So thank you for keeping me humble out there, Frater Connor. It is, it, it, we are, we are at the end of March here. And so I made a little, made a little note on our, our show outline, you know, we're, we're a quarter of the way through the year. We're three months in. And I just, I wanted to, to checkpoint, touch base and see if you had any, any reflections from the first quarter of 2021. It's been uh, not quite as miserable as 2020 was in my personal opinion, but you know, what's uh, what, what do you, what do you think about this year so far? I feel like the first quarter of the year has, has to your point is gone relatively quickly and not felt as, as painstaking as 2020. And I think a lot of that has to do with the vaccine starting to be rolled out with restrictions starting to be rolled back in some cases with folks starting to imagine what the summer could look like, what the fall could look like. I think last year in, in 2020, we started to play that out a little bit, right? But we never got too serious about planning too far out ahead for ourselves or for businesses, organizations, because we didn't know when there was going to be a vaccine. We didn't know when there was going to be some sort of solution and path forward. And now it feels like there is. So uh, I feel like this has been a, a time where you want to plan and you want to think about what is the summer, what is the fall, what does the winter look like and start to put pieces in place to be successful, whether that's on the personal end or on the professional end. And so it's been a lot of gathering, as they say, right? Wintertime, a lot of times you're gathering for the spring and the summer and the fall. That, that feels exactly what the first quarter has been here. Yeah, I, I agree on the vaccine front. It's definitely given some, some reason for optimism. Um, we are notably a non-political podcast. We, we don't believe in politics here on the Teak Nation podcast. Um, but I will say that the, the previous administration, it seemed like every day you woke up, good, bad, right or wrong. And there was another story, another scandal, another issue, right? And it, it hasn't been quite that way with the new administration. Again, whether you believe that's right or wrong, that's your business. But I do think that that's part of it too, is it's not, you know, the news cycle is not just dragging us down every second of every day when you wake up every morning and, and turn on the television. So I think that's been part of it too. Weather's finally turning. Spring is uh, is slowly peaking out. I think I have to mow my grass this week for the first time, which ugh. I, there's one 
one significant downside to being a homeowner, it is mowing the grass. I hate mowing the grass. And it's not even the act of mowing because you get a little exercise, right? You work up a little sweat, maybe listen to the Teak Nation podcast while you're out there with the mower. It's just the prep work. I got to back the car out of the garage. I got to put gas in the mower. I got to, you know, pump that little button on the side to get the gas into the engine. I got to go around. I got to pick up my, my dog's excrements out in the backyard i gotta pick up the gutters like it's just a drain and i don't know i'm i'm ready for for ava to you know turn 11 or 12 so i can just set her loose on the mower and sit inside and and watch tv on a a saturday instead of going out and cutting the grass i don't i didn't realize that that my recap of 2021 was going to turn into being angry about uh having to mow but but here we are you are you really are a curmudgeon you have that that is a first world problem. Just to, if anyone around the world's listening to us and, and we could just encapsulate that 30 seconds or so of your complaint about having to pick up dog excrement and you know whatever else so that you could go push a mower to cut your grass. I'm empathy, I, empathy right? Always 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 be honest on this on this podcast with our listeners. And that was a was a moment of honesty, it was a moment of vulnerability, you know, sharing my my innermost thoughts with you all. So uh, you can judge me accordingly, but my feeling on grass mowing is not going anywhere. Anyway, yeah, uh, I, uh, here in Indiana on Wednesday, we, the both of us are, are eligible to sign up for a, a vaccine slot. So I set my alarm for 1201 and pop up and get that scheduled. And uh, hopefully we'll be we'll be rocking on into the summer. Looking forward to hopefully a a full robust leadership academy out in Colorado. Getting geared up for that. And I think that we're finally, uh, as you said, finally have some some things to look forward to and some reasons for optimism. So tw- you know, twenty twenty one not not all bad just yet. Not a bad little quarter we just put together. <laughs> Rule of three, we'll roll right into it since it is uh, somewhat related. So with it being really a week or two, I think, past the the onslaught of COVID shutdowns, for me, I really associate it with, with March 22nd, which was last Monday of, that was the first day we were out of the office and, uh, and at home, and we've not returned since. But uh I was thinking about all the things that have happened in the last year, year plus. I wanted to uh, to toss it out. What are three things that you have learned? And this could be uh, knowledge-based or skill-based. Three things that you have learned in the last 365 days. Yeah, I made a, I made a little list here. And it's, it's more perspective-based than skill-based, although you know this because uh, we have a lot of conversations. I have read a lot of books over the last year, which has been helpful and shaped me in, in positive ways. One, I would say, is time with the family and, and how critical that is, just given our lifestyle and how busy we are to be able to be at home for some of the, the birthdays for our kids, um, to be there for certain moments. That is just part of our job that we give up some of those moments to to travel and to engage and, and to do this job that we love. Uh, two is around the, the travel and the professional. I do miss being able to see friends that we have in the fraternity, our fraternity brothers. Obviously, we're a social organization. Man is a social being. It says it in our family documents. And so 
you do miss those those opportunities. Seeing folks on Zoom over the last year has been great to at least see their face, but looking forward to the moments and the memories that are formed working with groups, working with, with our volunteers, having Grand Council meetings in person, uh, engaging with our volunteer corps, you know, those types of things. You, you take it for granted, and this last year has really added some perspective, at least for me, of how lucky we are to travel all over the country and, and have relations with people in, in every corner of Teak Nation. And third, and, and you have, uh, again, just being a part of our team, heard me talk about this a lot, is the mentality. I've really, it's really been eye-opening. Uh, and this is one of those aspects where you got to be cautious in terms of everybody's experience is different during COVID. And I respect that and I understand that. But it has been really eye-opening for folks uh, on how they have reacted to circumstances or challenges they've had. You know, we've had groups that, or volunteers or folks that the, the, the challenges before them were not nearly as large as the challenges set before other people. And some of those people with the greatest challenges have found ways to overcome. Groups have found ways to recruit. Groups found ways to operate. And some groups that have not had as many restrictions or as much challenge in front of them have, have thrown their hands up. And so that mentality aspect of whenever challenges are before you, what is your spirit to, to innovate, to be creative, uh, and, and to find a path forward, no matter what it takes, and, and to really engage whatever resources possible. That's been a, a real eye-opener to me. And, and also, it, for our team internally, there's been a number of pieces that we have been innovative and creative with, and even continuing to, to look at this podcast and evaluate what's the best way that we can engage as many folks as possible. This process of last year has been, I think, unbelievably impactful for me personally and as a leader to, to just learn you know, when you're, when you're forced up against it, how, what you see out of some of the people that work for the fraternity, what you see out of some of the volunteers, the, every aspect of it. And even, and you see it in corporate America, you see it in other organizations and community groups that we're a part of. It's, it's really been eye-opening and I've, I've been appreciative. I'm ready for it to be over, but I've been appreciative of the one year evaluation assessment of if we got in a tough place, right, where are the folks you want to look for? What are the folks you can count on? And where are the folks that when the challenge comes, at least right now, they haven't met the moment. Yeah, I uh, my my third one is along those same lines, so I'll uh, I'll I'll save that. My first my first knowledge uh, gained is in the area of bread making. So I did hop on the sourdough bread wagon pretty early on in the the pandemic. I think May twelfth, I started my my sourdough starter. Um, LeBron is what I what I named him. So he is a living, breathing specimen that hangs out either on my counter or in my refrigerator. And 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 I've just learned a lot about the dynamics of of how to make bread and and what goes into it and the chemistry and the uh, how do, how yeast works. It's it's been fascinating. So. Um, it's not too late to get in on the, on the sourdough bread game. It's never too late. You're never too old to, to start a sourdough starter Two, And, and I'm happy if you, if you need a starter, I'm happy to give you a little bit of mine. Just, uh, just hit, shoot me a text Two, I've learned from a physical standpoint that I had a little, I had an extra gear in the, uh, in the running neighborhood. So that was, uh, we talked at the very beginning of the year about resolutions or goals or whatever you want to call them. Uh, I said that my goal was to run a thousand miles this year. I am on pace. And uh, I realized throughout this pandemic that I actually can wake up early and go run and it doesn't ruin my entire day.
day. Uh, I can push myself a little further on a, on a daily run than I had before. So my body's responded well, a uh, little knee pain here and there, a little back pain, a little back stiffness when I wake up in the mornings, but uh, I'm 30 now. So that's just comes with the territory. And then the last thing uh, goes along the lines of what you were talking about, Don, is, is I've just, I think I've learned a lot more about human dynamics. And to your point, how people respond to adversity and respond to challenges, but also you know, how everyone views their own problems through their own lens and how everyone views the world differently. And when it comes to managing people or managing processes, you really have to be a chameleon to be able to to put on a different set of glasses for every single situation, for every single person that you interact with, because they all, to your point, everyone out there believes that their problem is the most significant and the most challenging. I just talked for four and a half minutes about how miserable it was to mow my, mow my yard. And I realized that that, you know, that probably sounds a little elitist and I don't even live on one of the coasts. So uh, just imagine Imagine what our brothers up in the Northeast or out West are, are dealing with as far as first world problems go. It is, uh, it is interesting, both in our office, in our membership ranks, but just in the world in general. You go back to the other thing I was talking about with the news cycle, how every, every problem, every challenge is, is looked at differently by every person out there. And I think this has really been eye-opening because... We've had to sit down and, and really think about how are we going to approach these conversations with volunteers or with members or with staff. And you have to spend some time thinking about what, you know, put yourself in other people's shoes and, and learn how they think and learn how they operate to be able to approach each of those situations. So the human dynamic piece has been huge and just watching, watching the world unfold and, and playing an active role and how we've been working through it. All right, bread, running, and human dynamics. There's my three. It was you covered a lot of ground there. Well, I'm I'm a I'm a man of of very diverse skill sets and talents and interests, as you know. All right, we're gonna bring in Zachary Scott now, as is tradition. We'll see what we'll see what Zach's got going on today. I wonder if he's gonna be in his corner. I want to see him bring some energy today. Did you cut your beard? I did. I shaved it down a bit. Your face looks smaller, and, and it's just because your beard's gone. You and look I, phenomenal. It adds a uh, another dimension, um, so it gets real 3D with the beard. Maybe 4D, because you can actually touch it, too. That's a fourth dimension. I would prefer not to. but Well, not in this, this realm, so just 3D for now. Thank you for the offer. Indeed. You do look like you've taken two years off your life. That is great. That's a, it makes you look younger, just like that. Boom. I know. I'll, I'll probably take like five from what I was before if I had to shave the whole thing. So um, that's a, a terrifying prospect. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I just in general think most people look better with beards. Uh, and I, I've never seen Donnie with a beard. So I, I would assume he doesn't based on his reaction. Kind of him, but uh, I, I know how stupid I look without one. So um Hang on to it. You know, I, I think you, I think the beard's a good look there. This is really captivating for an uh, an auditory experience. You know, I, I try to bring something every few weeks that just makes people say, "Man, I wish I wish Zach was on our campus." For a, <laughs> for a bunch of people that are listening to this right now and have no idea what you look like, Zach, this is really a, a fun a fun time for them. All right, so you are uh, you're in your corner 
in Tampa still. Are you planning on on heading out anywhere anytime soon? Are you uh, you locked into Florida there for a while? You know, I actually uh, I might might head to uh, Austin, Texas to to visit some friends. A, a friend of mine who's from Scotland went to University of Tampa and now works in Dubai is planning to of course come back to the states. Um, so maybe I'll maybe I'll rendezvous with with all of them. But that's not till May and. I don't really think I have anything planned April, maybe like go to the beach or something, but not really. There are a couple things that I want to uh, run by Frauder Brett Widner, my supervisor to, to see, but um, yeah, outside of that, there's not really, not really much. Is that Brett's first shout out on the Teak Nation podcast? I don't know. First or second, probably. It it might be. Um, Well, I know that, uh, that you are still locked in on recruiting because that's where you live. That's where you exist. Uh, what are, what are your thoughts right now on how the summer shaping up and how, you know, we hear a lot of groups out there that really use the summer to their advantage. A lot of groups that actually recruit during the summer that go out and find incoming freshman classes. What have you seen out there that, that is effective when it comes to actually not just planning recruiting over the summer, which is important, but actually going and physically recruiting in June, July, and August to get ahead when it comes to September, October. Yeah. I think the biggest thing probably comes as a no brainer to, to some campuses and maybe to both of you guys, it's the idea of recruiting the people that went to your high school, um, establishing mm-hmm. those pipelines. Right. And those pipelines don't just have to be um, high school recruitment. Those are, I think that's the easiest one, but thinking about the student organizations that you're a part of the, uh, we talked about it, I believe the last podcast of um, what steps did we take in November to January to get onto those moving teams, those orientation teams, those types of things. How are we taking advantage of those summer camps as they hopefully return this, this year. Uh, But the big one is probably the high school piece. I mean, if you, everyone went to a high school and unless you're coming from a, a, another country, it's very I mean, even then, very likely there's at least one other student who's coming in down the road. What are you doing to establish a connection? You don't need to know that person. You can be two or three years removed, but sharing that that commonality is always an easy conversation starter. And that's really what I think the business of recruitment is, right? We talk about relationship building. It's not talking about teak. It's talking about the thing that you share in common, right? You, The first thing is you're both um, Minnesota gophers, right? Well, the second piece can be that you both went to the same high school down in Mankato, or um, it can be that you both played on the, the same soccer club from the same hometown, went to rival high schools. It can be anything like that, but what are you doing to utilize the pipelines that you already have? Again, you might not be thinking about them. You might think, oh, well, I don't even know those guys um, that are coming to the school, but easy ways to start building connections. You, you would be amazed, I think, at how much how, how much people crave that first interaction when they come to school everybody who's going to going to a university is looking to make friends um sometimes they're looking to keep the friends that they already have sometimes they're looking to branch off entirely and do their own thing but people go to college and they want they want to make a new name for themselves in most cases what are ways that we're engaging them directly i think that's the big piece and a high school pipelines hometown pipelines those are big Two, two things there. One, very impressed with your uh, local Minnesota knowledge. So great work. If there's there's anyone listening from Minnesota, I'm sure that you know just casually dropping in a Mankato will, will go a long way. Maybe we'll get that five-star review on Google. And second, I was struck to that point. I was struck when I was down in Baton Rouge working with the guys at LSU, how many guys were from Baton Rouge who all knew each other. We had uh, two-on-one, three-on-one meetings. A lot of times, three guys would walk in and I'd ask them, you know, where are you from? How'd you 
come to Teak at LSU and it's like, oh, we all knew each other in high school. And, and I think that that is overlooked, but it's not overlooked by groups that recruit really well. It is overlooked by groups who don't. And just to be clear, you're talking about, you know, the day that a guy decides, yeah, I'm going to go to LSU, like shooting him a DM, right. And saying, Hey man, right. Saw you, saw you're coming to campus next fall. Would love to teach you or would love to grab a a coffee sometime or or grab lunch. And and that turns into a conversation about Teak at some point. Right. Yeah, exactly. The the whole idea, right. It will, will run with the LSU example is, Hey, I, I, saw your Facebook post or whatever, right? We happen to have a, a similar friend and he liked it or whatever it may be. Um, but you could also just talk to people about who, who they know that's coming down the pipeline, let's say your junior or senior, sending them a message of, hey, I would love to connect and tell you what it means to be an LSU Tiger. Um, we can um, grab lunch, right? If it's over Zoom, right? Maybe they're, you're from a, another hometown entirely um, that's not in Louisiana. So you can't go and, and grab lunch physically with them. But hopping on Zoom, ordering them DoorDash to their, um, to their house, whatever it may be, but establishing that first connection is huge. And it's, has nothing to do with fraternity. It it entirely has to do with this person coming in and forging their next path. Exactly. One piece that most folks don't, they don't align. They don't uh, see it in the same light is new member ed in the recruitment process, but obviously it's extremely critical. If you go and recruit a phenomenal group of people and then they don't make it through the new education process you've wasted your time and energy and resources can you talk about the mindset of many of the the students that we are recruiting right now what's their mindset going into new member education if you're someone out there listening saying great you guys have zach on to talk about recruitment we've already done recruitment for the year we're done doing recruitment i'm guessing that means they're in the new member education process can you help educate both collegiates as well as volunteers other folks just listening what are most new students looking for in the new member ed process in terms of the length of the process, the pieces that go into the process? I think that's extremely critical too, as, as you're recruiting and as you're retaining, what does that process look like? And being able to communicate it during the recruitment process. Yeah, I think not much has changed, at least from my experiences. Um, and this, right, this is universities all over the place from Alaska to Miami to anywhere in between. And it's the same as it always was of honesty and involvement. The, what I mean by that is when they're going through recruitment, whatever you're telling them, whatever you're promising them, I always refer to groups of like, what are the promises we're making? If you're talking to them about alumni network, if you're talking to them about academics, if you're talking to them about sports and intramurals, if you, whatever buzzword promise you throw at them, you better be able to back it up um, because within two or three weeks, it's pretty obvious what, what, uh, what was a lie and, and what things you're able to follow through on. And an easy way to do that, right, is if, if you're a hegemon or if you're um, assisting in some way with new member education or you're the Preakness, asking the group what were the promises that were made to them when they went through recruitment. It's a very easy way. And they're, they're not going to remember everything, but they'll remember the big pieces that brought them to it, right? They'll remember the fact that they built relationships with people and that's the big thing that sold them. But they'll remember certain conversations as well take notes of those and start to build those in, right? You should already have opportunities to interact with alumni, whether that's um, some sort of career-based event, whether that's um, a resume building activity, right? Something we do at RLCs, anything along those lines. And even if it's just to talk about their Teak experience, that's a great piece. And you can do that for everything. Uh, Philanthropic pushes with St. Jude um, or your local charity, Um, academics doing study hours together, not just forcing the new guys to do them, doing them together um, and holding everyone accountable. Those are some big pieces. And then 
with that, I had mentioned involvement. Involvement in the fraternity, right? The, especially right now, because so much was taken away for the last year. And I guarantee the guys who went through recruitment last fall and the previous spring probably can attest to this too. There was this almost like a vacuum that sucked out a lot of the involvement um, potential, but finding ways to, to get these people leadership opportunities, get them involved, even though that's as simple as getting them on a committee with you, getting them involved in recruitment for the next, next summer um, slash fall semester, whatever ways you can find to get people involved. I think a really easy opportunity is a lot of people talk about St. Jude and, and philanthropy and finding ways to, to virtually follow through on that, whether that's through Twitch or through social media pushes or whatever it may be. Um, even if it's cutting your, cutting your hair, your beard or whatever, finding ways for people to get engaged there. Um, people are craving involvement. New members are craving it. And I got to imagine brothers are too. And that's, I think the other aspect is, you're not just recruiting the new members, you're recruiting the active membership as well. And how are you continuing to follow through on their promises and getting them involved? That's something that maybe we could talk about on another podcast, but something that I think it, it needs to be said because it doesn't get said enough. Um, but honesty and involvement, those are the two big pieces I've seen. Well, we appreciate the teaser for, uh, for a future conversation. It's always, always helpful with listener engagement. Um, appreciate the time as always good stuff there. Good, uh, good tactical information that anyone listening, whether you're a, an undergraduate member or an alum or a, a volunteer can apply to hopefully make life easier and, and find some success. So, uh, we appreciate it, Zach. It's always good to see your, uh, barely bearded face now. And we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll do it again next week. How's that sound? Sounds good. I'll be, uh, I'll be ready. All right. Exactly. Adios. Spanish for goodbye. Uh, we're going to get in now to our guest profile. Good friend, good frauder, Mr. Edwin Robinson. Edwin, thank you for being here with us. Uh, quick intro for, for Edwin before we get into it. So um, Edwin is a, uh, or was a member of the Theta New chapter at Southeastern Louisiana University as an undergrad. Um, since then, he has gone and really uh, immersed himself in the fraternity. Maybe that's the best way to put it. GPA of the Apollo province down in Florida, board of advisors chairman, member of the DEI committee, uh, leadership academy facilitator, RLC facilitator, pretty much if there's something that you could do or accomplish <laughs> Antique, Edwin has done it. And so I want to start there, Edwin. Uh, my, my first question to you is why? Why have you chosen to uh, so fully immerse yourself in this experience with Talk Kappa Epsilon as a volunteer, giving your time, giving your energy? What is it about this fraternity that keeps you coming back for more? Well, first of all, Alex, thank you so much for letting me be a, a part again of the podcast. There are really two reasons why I do, I guess, as much as I do. You don't know what your resume is until you have somebody reintroduce it for you. Yeah, you're, you're welcome. Um, you're welcome. <laughs> thank you so much. This fraternity really has given a lot to me. It gave me an opportunity to be a part of a family that I didn't really know that I had um, or wasn't even sure what that meant when I joined the fraternity uh, back in 1995. 
So this fraternity has given me so very much, especially now as an alumni volunteer with all of the things that, that you just rattled off, it has given me opportunities. It has taken me places. I had never been to Colorado Springs before Academy. Uh, it has taken me places and introduced me to some people that I might not otherwise would have met. The second reason I think I do as much as I do is that I believe that young men, young collegiate men need leaders. They need guides. They need men to walk them to manhood. And if we don't do it, someone else will. And so I, I thank Talk Cap Epsilon for the opportunities it gives me to lead other men um, into better manhood. I see that as a personal mission. I see that as a personal ministry. And uh, I, I see that as a, almost as a daily challenge. Who can I lead today? And uh, who can I challenge into that bettering of their mental, moral, and social development? And when the this episode will be released on March 31st, which is on the precipice of April, which is National yeah. Volunteer Month, I'm curious, especially coming off your intro, what are lessons that you have learned as a volunteer? Well, first of all, Big Brother, good to see you too. And thank you so much for allowing me to be a part of this. The lesson, the biggest lesson that I've learned off of this is that relationships matter. You can have all the processes, you can have all of the, of the plans that you want. And there is something to be said for plans and procedures. But at the end of the day, it is the relationships that we have with one another that really, really matter. Uh, the relationships that we have with the professional staff, with the grand council, with other alumni volunteers, with our collegiates, all of those relationships matter to me. I can't do the role that, or the roles that I have done or am doing without the relationships that I have been blessed to build and cultivate and nourish. That is one of the biggest things, the biggest lesson that I have learned is, are you willing to build quality relationships? Are you willing to take the time to care about where someone is and about the next step that someone needs to go? And are you willing to be a part of that journey and that process to get them there? You started to allude to it right there, and I'd, I'd like to dig a little deeper because for folks mm -hmm. who either collegiate members or even if we have any alumni out there who are thinking about volunteering and, and thinking about those relationships, what's the work that you've put in? Because that's, that's too often people rattle off the resume and you talk about all these relationships. There's a lot of sacrifices. There's a lot of, to your point, conversations and things that you have done that I've personally witnessed. I can't even imagine how much I haven't seen that you put in. To, to, for those relationships to cultivate, for those relationships to be fostered? I have, um, well, ask my car if you could, because I've, I've, driven, I've driven a few miles 
of fatigue. I wish I had logged those things better. I, I've, I've, I've made some calls. I've driven a few miles. Florida is not a small state. And the reach of the Apollo province is now about to be as south as Miami with the recolonization of the Gamma Delta chapter at the University of uh, Miami to the Lambda Iota chapter at Florida State University and all parts in between. So me and my little Mazda 3 have uh, put in some miles. It has been phone calls. It has been those phone calls at 10 o'clock, maybe 11 o'clock at night from frauders who are struggling with something or they've had family issues. And sometimes it has sacrificed my sleep. Sometimes it has sacrificed my, my time that I could be doing other things. But knowing that I had a hand in helping that chapter or that individual collegiate or that alumni volunteer to move forward, maybe in his fraternal life or their professional life or their personal life, that that's a rewarding thing for me. The reward has really outweighed the sacrifices here. Edwin, I know personally, and, and I think for Donnie as well, we know a lot about Edwin, the volunteer. I don't know much about Edwin, the undergrad. And so I'm curious <laughs> what, you know, what parts of your undergraduate experience fostered that affiliation with Teak and then caused you to go and seek a further experience? Because there's, you know, back to the volunteering point, there's, we have so many members, hundreds of thousands of members who they're a Teak, quote unquote, for three or four years. And then for the rest of their lives, they say, I was a Teak in college. And we know that's not true. It's a lifelong fraternal experience. Something clicked in your mind at some point where you said, I'm going to get more out of this than the time that I'm at Southeastern Louisiana University. I'm curious what that was and, and what that maybe turning point was for you to, to keep you involved and affiliated as a volunteer. I have to give some um, recognition to uh, past leadership academy attendee, Travis Regdal, who was a huge influence for me in my undergrad experience at Southeastern and in this role that I have taken now. It really started with an ask. Um, I didn't hear much about this side of the fraternity coming through my undergrad. However, when the Epsilon Beta chapter at the University of Tampa was being recolonized, it took a young, energetic um, young man by the name of Aaron Pattinson, who said, hey, we're recolonizing the Epsilon Beta chapter at the University of Tampa and we need volunteers. So I came out. I didn't really think I had anything to offer. Um, uh, my only jeweled position in my chapter was Grammateus. Uh, I was also PR chair, but I also was on the speech and debate team at college. I was also on the campus radio station at college, but I just really didn't think I had, I had this big, huge Teak undergraduate resume, and I didn't think I had anything to offer. Well, what transpired between myself and Aaron 
and a handful of other volunteers was just magic. I saw his passion. I saw his fire for the fraternity and I, you know, dusted off what jerseys I had because I was like, I got to get me some of that. And uh, I stuck around Aaron. And then when Aaron left, I just got hooked on this. I got hooked on it all over again. I learned teak in a really brand new and fresh way. And then I got introduced to people who introduced me to more people who introduced me to more people. And ultimately, I would get to a guy by the name of Donnie Aldrich, who at the time was director of programs and events, uh, kind of the precursor to your position, Alex, as director of education. Um, he was the one running the events and making sure that all the I's were dotted and T's were crossed who introduced me to a, a wonderful gentleman by the name of John Deckard. And, and, <laughs> and, while, um, and while John and I didn't always agree, John made me a stronger teak. And John made me a more confident teak. And um, there's not a day that goes by in my alumni volunteer experience that I don't miss that guy, but I am very blessed of all of the folks I have met. And if I start naming names, I promise you I'll miss folks. But um, again, I'm going to go back to that relationship thing, Alex. Uh, they just, they, hey, Ed, how you doing? Hey, Ed, what's going on down in Florida? Hey, Ed, when I'm in Florida, I'm going to give you a call. And they did. And they wanted to know what was going on with me. So while I wish we had had more education about the alumni experience in my collegiate days. I am very thrilled that someone, uh, in this case, Aaron, uh, took a hold of me now and, and said, man, there's a whole other side of teeth that you don't know here. Let me bring you on this ride. It's a great bridge for, for my question, Edwin, which is, what lessons do you look to impart? I asked you about what lessons you've learned as a volunteer. What are lessons you look to impart on our collegiate members? You talked about lessons that you received and obviously lessons that you didn't receive. How, did, how does that shape you and what you try to inspire in, in the men that you serve? For that, I go back to the bond you know, to be guided by charity, esteem, and love, to be guided by something else other than cancel culture, uh, to be guided by something different than the world outside. We need to be a little bit different, to honor, um, to, to show respect and understanding. It does not mean that we agree with everything. I may not like what you said, but I will still defend to the death your right to say it. That's respect. Sometimes it means seeking first to understand, then to be understood. And then to, to keep learning, to keep learning and to keep contributing. Well, what is it that, what are, what are the abilities that we choose to develop? What is it, what are those abilities that we choose to contribute? It's more than just our time, talent and treasure. It's our character. 
It's who we are. It's who we are, whether we wear our letters or not. There should be something about a teak man that stands out. There should be something about a teak man that says, this man can be trusted. This man is different than every other guy that I've seen. And that can be a teak in business. That can be a, a, a teak on the college campus. That can be a teak around women. That can be a teak wherever we go. If, if, I, if I try to impart anything, Donnie, at all, it's that while we are not perfect, the quest for sterling character still matters. And we need to practice that sterling character in the tenor of our daily lives. You know, one of the, one of the things I think that anyone who has associated with you, Ed, is uh, they see your passion and it just came through in that answer right there. They see your passion, <laughs> they see your energy and, and you're someone who I'm sure you have bad days. I don't know if I've seen one of those bad days and all the time we've spent together, right? It's midnight in Colorado. You just wrapped up a small group meeting and, and we go and get together as a staff and you still bring that passion and that energy. Where does that come from? Is that something that you've, you've trained yourself on? Is that something that you've had since birth? You know, where, where do you find that fire? Because I think that's, especially right now in the, the circumstances of, of the last year, it's it's easy to get down. It's easy to feel sorry for yourself at times. Where do you continue to, to tap into that energy and that fire that doesn't allow you to, to sink down to that level? If you spend any time with me, any length of time with me, you will hear me talk about my grandmother. Um, my grandmother was just this solid woman of God. And uh, I spent a lot of time and a lot of days and a lot of relationship was built um, with her and I. And there's a saying that says a lot more is caught than taught. And I watched my grandmother and how she interacted with people. She loved people. Uh, she loved people when they were up. She loved people when they were down. And my grandmother had tough days, but she, she turned to her Christian faith. And when, she and when she was serving others, whatever bad day that woman had went completely out the window somewhere. And that is the kind of guy I want to be. Yes, I do have bad days. And COVID kind of brought those days out um, every so often. Here's what kept me going. Um, it was it was phone calls. It was phone calls from Donnie. It was phone calls from Chris Niles. It was phone calls from some of the other GPAs around Teague Nation for whom I have uh, really strong relationships with. It, it was, it is a new relationship uh, that I have built in a guy named Frank Bennett, who's the chapter advisor at Beta Zeta, Louisiana Tech. Um, I, I chose to stay connected. Uh, to, to a power source. And the power source was, was my Christian faith 
that says weeping may endure, but joy is coming in the morning. And I was waiting for that joy to come in the morning. And while I was waiting for that joy to come in the morning, I went to my relationships and honestly said, hey guys, I'm having a tough day. And you know, the cool thing was, was that you guys encouraged me. My friends and my brothers encouraged me. And not only did they just encourage me, they challenged me. Hey, Ed, what are you focused on right now? Hey, Ed, what are you doing? Hey, Ed, you need to make a phone call to this guy. He could really use a call from you. And when I was serving and doing those things, whatever bad day I was having went out the window somewhere. And um, I think for those of us who have been through the challenge of COVID, connection is more important than, than ever. And the way we stay in the people business is that we are connected uh, to one another. That may be through a Zoom meeting, that may be through a phone call, that may be through a handwritten note, but something tangible that says, hey, I'm here, I'm going through this same thing, I want you to know I got your back and I care. So Edwin, you had so many cool opportunities right? So many great folks that, as you mentioned, that you've gotten to meet. It's one of the, the pieces that, that Alex and I talk about all the time in, in this organization is all, the, all the, the memories, all the things that you get to do. And I, what we don't do enough, I think, is just sit and ask, what's a cool story or two that you have? And I, I would love to hear, right? What's, what's a great story or two that you have? Because for these folks who think about fraternity for life or volunteering or engaging that's what is to me that is what is going to draw them to want to take that leap of faith that you did right and dip your toe in the water is what are some cool memories that I can make or some cool stories that I can be a part of because that's what we remember we remember the stories and the memories and the experiences so just as you talk about we're gonna very soon we believe get back to creating some of those memories in person what's a story or two that you have either from a leadership academy or RLC or conclave or any, any piece, even the DEI committee, anything that, that's happened that you've really enjoyed that you'd love to share with the audience? I, I <laughs> try, to, try to narrow it down to two, Ed. Um, I think my first time at Leadership Academy, and uh, this will be, be apropos to what a few people know me for what I do. And uh, I, rem I was so nervous trying to memorize the Ode to the Skull. And I remember being at the ranch at, at Academy and we're going through rehearsal and I am trying to make John Deckard so proud of me. And I get through the very first time I did it, memorized everything. I was so happy I got all the words right, but I heard silence for a minute. And then the next thing I know, I hear John Deckard's voice booming from the back of the room. Can you do that again? Uh, yes, sir. Now I'm a grown man. Uh, yes, sir. Um, was that okay? I want you to do it again. So I did it again. And he said, that is what I want to see when those undergraduates come. That was fantastic. And I'm thinking, oh, thank God. Uh, but, I, I, but I was also thinking, hey, um, 
I just found my spot in the club. <laughs> and, uh, and from that point on, John and I had a really great relationship. The second story that I really want to talk about comes from an undergrad. It comes from my good friend, Kevin Landers, Omicron New Chapter, Florida Institute of Technology. I had been telling Kevin about um, coming to RLC and it was a great experience and I was, and I've been sharing my Teak experiences with Kevin. And so for two years, Kevin and I had a road trip to Atlanta. He would come and pick me up. He would drive from Melbourne to Tampa, come pick me up in Tampa and we would drive through the night. Um, I heard some amazing music. Um, we had all different genres represented. We would get to the hotel and we would be so tired. We would sleep in the garage until it was time for us and we thought we could check in so that I could turn around, take a shower, look fresh as a daisy and show up uh, for the pre-show meeting with Alex. Um, but it's, it was the talks that we had in those eight hours there and those eight hours back. In fact, the second year that Kevin and I did it, we brought another young frauder, just a, a, re, a, a recent initiate at the time, and we took him on that eight-hour road trip. Um, I will miss that. Uh, as Kevin is about to graduate and uh, probably head for grad school. Um, but I will miss those experiences. But man, it, it's not always in the big things that we do. And there's something to be said for the big things. But it's in, it's in those road trips. It's in those one-on-one -on -one interactions. Um, my best memories have been just in phone calls. When the George Floyd incident happened last year, I had my friend call me that I was very surprised to get a call from. And Donnie Aldrich and I, and Donnie Aldrich and I sat for an hour just trying to figure all of this out. How can we be better? What is it that we should be saying? What is it that we should be doing as a fraternity? How can we continue to communicate love, charity, and esteem? And not too much later after that, uh, the DEI committee was formed. And again, I was blessed uh, to be a part and, and currently still a part of the parent committee where new relationships are, are being built. But it's in those little conversations and it's in those little pockets of time where we can, where we don't have to be the badges that we have on our chest. Where we can take those badges off and say, hey, can I talk to you, brother? I, I'm, I'm struggling with something. Brother, come and help me out. Edwin, it's like you, uh, you're you reading off my notes here um, because my, my <laughs> last question I had for you was about the DEI committee. I know just, just knowing you and uh, some of the conversations we've had and conversation I've been, I've been a part of, as a, as a black man in this fraternity, I know you do feel a, a weight of responsibility to ensure that we are uh, 
sensitive to some issues and, and aware I of do. things that are going on and, and you serve on the DEI committee. And I'd just love for you to talk a little bit about the important work the committee's doing and, and what it is you're hoping to see that experience lead to for Talk Cap Epsilon. I am so proud of my fraternity. I, 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 I've been very proud since November of 1995 to be a part of Talk Cap Epsilon. I am silly proud to be a part of Tau Cap Epsilon today because we are having difficult conversations. We are having uncomfortable conversations. We are having conversations that maybe people in the marketplace are a little bit hesitant to have. We are, we are challenging one another on these subjects. And, and I, I tip my hat off um, to Ryan Vessio, our grand council member who is chairing this, who is chairing this thing, and to every single member of the DEI committee, uh, both the parent committee and our three subcommittees, who are having tough conversations, making some, making some choices that I think are going to be amazing for the fraternity in this area. Um, all in an effort to bring us back to the documents that we have held close to our heart for a hundred plus years, to bring us back to showing respect and understanding, not just honoring the uniqueness of each frauder, but honoring the uniqueness of each person. It's not just the basis of our brotherhood, it is the basis for all human relationships. And I'm really glad that we're having uh, these conversations and I'm looking forward to a talk Kappa Epsilon where to quote Martin Luther King, we will not be judged by the color of our skin, but by the fly on my head, uh, where we will not be judged by the color of our skin, but indeed by the content of our character. And last time I checked, we deemed staunch uprightness and sterling character to be the necessary qualifications for membership in this fraternity. And everything else we bring, while it's really desirable, is still secondary to that. It's extremely well said. I've got to, I got to throw a tough question at you. We've given we've you a lot of softballs. I think it's time for a tough question. <laughs> what, what's next, right? What, what else do you want to achieve in, in the fraternity? What else do you want to achieve as a volunteer, right? What, Everybody has things that get them, wake them up in the morning and get them going. Some people post those goals on a mirror. Some people write them down in a journal. Some people just keep them in the back of their head because they're scared to death if they told somebody or wrote them down, then people might hold them accountable to them, right? You and I can go on a whole leadership talk there. But what, what are your goals? What are things you want to achieve? What are memories you want to create in the fraternity? Boy, that is, boy. Boy, you have been throwing me softballs compared to that one. Um. I would like for Edwin Robinson to actually achieve his bachelor's degree. I have an associate and far too many times I've tried to apply for professional staff. Ed, you don't have a bachelor's. What? Yeah, but I need to, I need to man up and, and get that 
finished. It's a personal accomplishment for me. And if I feel real strongly about getting that bachelor's and I see that bachelor's in my hand, my master's probably won't be too far away from that. I want to be a more influential alumni volunteer. I'd like to, I'd like for me and for Apollo to be models of what a good alumni volunteer relationship can look like and how we can be um, how we can be the best at what we do, not just to check off a box or to hold our hand up and go, hey, we're number one, but but because I I want to be that kind of GPA or that kind of alumni volunteer where where guys can look to me. Where new, where new alumni volunteers can look to me. And I can once again be that big brother and say, hey, let me guide you, let me guide you through this. As I was guided so many years ago and continue to be today. Donnie, I, I, I'm gonna say this to you and Alex, don't laugh. Um, one of these days, um, I wouldn't mind seeing Ed Robinson on Grand Council because I, I believe that the Grand Council has reach and the Grand Council has influence. And anywhere that I can be a catalyst for reach and for influence, um, that's where I wanna be. And someday, and, and honestly, someday I will get there. But with, but with what I have in my hands right now, which is an amazing state, of seven chapters, soon to be eight. I wanna make sure that every man knows that, that we are eternity life, that the values that they have, that the values that they're learning in their candidate period, that, that they promise to when they kneel at the altar, that they go through in their collegiate lives can turn around and be a part of their lives when they're truly adulting. And if I can be a person of reach and influence in that setting, then I truly believe, I truly believe God and his providence. If you're, if you're faithful in the little things, I'll make you a ruler over many. And uh, so my days are right now um, being spent investing in the little things. Well, you're not going to hear any laughter out of Alex and I because the humility and the perspective that it takes to be on the Grand Council, and we could do a whole podcast. Uh, Alex, <laughs> Alex and I could set our, especially me setting myself up with the folks who control my employment, but uh, <laughs> the, traits, the traits that it takes to be a council member compared to what many people probably imagine, you have many of those. And so I, I think that it's a, it's a great goal for you to have and uh, something to aspire to. And I'm I'm really grateful for you taking the time to be on the podcast again and for, as always, being vulnerable and, and being candid and just showing who Edwin Robinson is because this organization is blessed and, and well further ahead because you're a part of it. Donnie, before, before we go, always understand something. I am here because you have pushed me forward. There's a saying that says, the reason I seem so tall is because I stand on the shoulders of giants. And I have been blessed to have people for whom I've been able to stand on their shoulders. 
And so the reason that you would even see something in me to, to, to give me time on this podcast is because you have poured into me. Alex has poured into me. So many people have poured into me. And I am grateful for that. So if you get nothing else out of this podcast and talking about or talking with Ed Robinson, I'm here to tell you thank you because I wouldn't be here without y'all. Well, I appreciate that. I know, and I speak for Alex too. I'll let him speak for himself here in a second, but we are the same. We are the same in terms of being products of people who believed in us, who invested in us, who took the time and energy to pull us aside, uh, sometimes gracefully, other times forcefully, and explain <laughs> where we needed to get better and improve. I will also say this too. We all have to make decisions on if we take that advice and we brush it aside and, and we get lost in our ego and, and who we think we are or what we think we are, or whether we take that advice and put it to work. And you're someone taking all of those opportunities and taking that advice and put it to work and you still do it today. Alex? Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. And I think just the fact that you probably have name dropped 15 or 20 people in the last half hour of people who have impacted you and influenced you, it just shows you know, what you, what you've shared about building relationships and, and connection. It's, it's all true. And, and you really lean into that uh, as, as a quality that has made you the person you are today. And I, I completely agree with Donnie that um, definitely feel the, the same way with many of the individuals who we've interacted with yourself included, Ed. So um, we can't thank you enough. Uh, appreciate the last, uh, last half hour of your time. Appreciate the honesty and the wisdom and Looking forward to, to, to doing it again sometime. Thanks, Ed. God bless you guys. I really, this is, this is great. Thank you so much. Love you, Ed. Thank you. I love y'all. I'll see you soon. All right. That is the bulk of our show here. One last thing I wanted to mention that I did not mention earlier. Teak is hiring. You can yourself come work for Teak headquarters if that is something that you've always wanted to do. So uh, we have two positions that we have posted that we are looking for. One is a growth specialist, somebody who can really, uh, similar to what Zach does, dive into recruitment and build our chapters and colonies and, and become an expert essentially in the realm of, of membership recruitment and go and, and affect Teak Nation. And then the other one is an associate regional director position where you will be involved in the day-to-day uh, the -day operations of somewhere between 30 and 60 groups, making sure that everything's running smoothly. Of course, assisting with recruitment as well, but um, two positions are open right now. So if that's something that you're interested in, please check that out at teak.org slash careers. Uh, and if there are individuals that you know should be applying for those jobs, get that in front of them. Yeah, and also if you have folks maybe you aren't as comfortable reaching out to them, want to reach out to us and have us connect with them. We're happy to do that as well. Appreciate any, any referrals that you can give to us of quality people who would do a great job advancing the mission of Talk App Epsilon. Yeah, I know Zach talked a little bit last week about, about what it's like to work for Teak, but um, you know, it really is a, an all-encompassing opportunity. It doesn't matter what your college major is. doesn't matter uh, what your intended career path is coming and working for Teak for one year, two years, five years, 10 years, 40 years could, could well, if you work for Teak for 40 years, my guess is you're not going to transition into another career. But um, any of those first three, the, the, the skills that I think we 
work really hard to impart on the staff here are applicable across the board, whether you're gonna go be a teacher or a coach or an accountant, um, there's a lot of, of really good opportunity to, to come work for Teak for a few years. So wanted to make sure I mentioned that. Um, and if it is something that you yourself are interested in or you know people are interested in, there's about a two week window here where we're taking applications and we'll be bringing in people for virtual interviews and then adding a couple of team members later this spring. So looking forward to that. Anything else before we, we wrap up this rodeo? No, excited to get into, you talked about the end of quarter one, ready to get into quarter two, baby. That's oh, April, yeah. May, and June. We're getting into some fun parts out. of the year, get, getting towards summer. A lot of great plans that we have to work with some of our volunteers and get ready for next fall. But also to wrap up this year, no doubt it's been one for the books, but it also is one that there's still a lot of great things that we can get done here in the last 60 days of the fiscal year. So excited to get to work, excited to have uh, the energy out there that, that exists. And for groups that have not gone through recruitment yet, we still have some, right? Great opportunity to add members to our family, great opportunity to grow this organization where it needs to be. So appreciate everybody listening. Tell a friend about the, the Teak Nation podcast, highlight it, showcase it. And we appreciate everyone who is continuing to, to listen forward some some questions I, I feel like I'm in some ways doing your enti entire exit that you normally you do so yeah yeah I'm gonna let you do that but I really appreciate the listener questions we like to engage with them or even if folks have certain topics they want us to dive into I know that you and I are open to that you forgot to tell people to smash the like button so that uh, that's one missed opportunity uh, and, and yeah I really think at this point we could just record this snippet so I don't have to say it every week but uh, Subscribe, like, go, and, and as you said, tell a friend, and, and let's make sure that when, when the Teak Nation podcast comes out, you're the first to know about it and that you're going to give it a listen. I get people that are texting me. I say people. There's like two. Um, it's not like a, a thousand. People that text me within a couple hours of it releasing, uh, telling me that I'm stupid for talking about a specific basketball team in a certain way or uh, – you know, chastising me for my gambling advice. So uh, I know that, that there are listeners out there who are, are early to even before we're promoting it on Facebook and social media. And, and I do appreciate that, but uh, you too could be one of those listeners. If you, uh, if you subscribe and smash the like button, as we always say. So with that, uh, we will catch you again next week. Enjoy some basketball, enjoy some spring. Don't forget to get that grass mode and we will be back soon. Goodbye. Thank you.